20 years ago today, a film that fans had been waiting 20 years to see opened. And, well, to say it wasn't well-received would be putting it mildly. I'm your host, Logan Studley, and in this special episode of Light's Camera Reaction, we discuss the 1999 film Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace. Written and directed by George Lucas, the film stars Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Jake Lloyd, Ian McDermott, Frank Oz, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, Pernilla August, Ahmed Best, and Ray Park. Joining me this episode is Caitlin Studley. We will discuss some of our favorite parts of the film, our least favorite parts of the film, and whether or not the film deserves its reputation. So, this is something I was horrible at doing in the last run of Lights, Camera, Reaction, but this time, I'm going to try to be better. Why don't you introduce yourself? Ah, my name is Caitlin. Do I need to say my last name? I would go ahead and go for it. Caitlin Studley. Are you related to the Logan Studley sitting next to you? In fact, he is my brother. Um, what do you do, Caitlin? Um, what do I do? Well, oh, not necessarily <laughs> what you do professionally, but... How do you but... define yourself as a person? Well, I, uh... like, what's, if you were like to give your elevator pitch on who you are... And who I am? Yeah. I am, uh, I am a young woman who, uh... I work by day, I work in customer service, and by night, I watch Netflix. And occasionally act in theater. Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> We're talking Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace today. Mm. And Caitlin, I know you totally did your homework for this episode. Yeah, listen, I definitely did not watch the movie again. <laughs> I did not. Because here, here's the thing. If I was going to watch a Star Wars movie... I would not pick that one, so it's like, why would I then take my time to watch it, even if we were doing this? Like, I don't care that much. Okay. So I guess that's I guess that's intro into my opinion of The Phantom Menace. With that intro in mind... Mm-hmm. There are still parts I like. Let's dive into that aspect. What would you say your favorite moments or favorite characters or scenes are in Phantom Menace. Well, so, my favorite part of the whole movie is, like, Amidala's costumes. Let's be real. You know, that's... <laughs> that's fair. Like, I... There, I think there are basically groups of people out there who... That's, like, their whole jam is Amidala's costumes. I mean... I like th- there's issues with the fact that like they elect a queen because like first of all that's just not how queens work like be a make her a president or something like why like she was elected queen of like that doesn't make any sense it's Star Wars that, I, that was stupid <laughs> like I mean if you're gonna use things like queen and like chancellor and prime and like prime minister senator like make them mean the same thing to me as they do you know in or, or make up another word like just don't make her a queen make her like a flubberber like I don't know like. So, but anyway, that's that's a whole another tangent. But like, definitely, like she is like the movie for me. Natalie Portman. I wanted to be her. Yeah, just even though we were talking about the co- first off the costuming work, like I swear they, they every scene they threw her in a new costume. It was amazing, and they were all like intricate. Yeah, like these- the level of detail that went into them is amazing. Yeah, like I've seen some people who've cosplayed in Padme's costumes from various films, and it seems like every time they're like, "Oh yeah, I was working on this." Well, you have for to. Months. You have to, or else it looks shitty, and then it's like, why? Well, well, it's not just that it looks shitty; it's just realizing to get like screen accurate. Someone spent months working on it, which means that there was a team that probably also spent months working on just Amidala's costumes. I know, and it's fabulous. It's um, fabulous. But let's let's talk about Padme and uh, Natalie Portman for a sec. Unlike you, I did rewatch it yesterday. Oh yeah. 
And you know, I, I did my homework. Listen, I still got A's. <laughs> And just realizing how we get hits, hints of her determination, her bravery, and the fact that she's just not willing to take it. She's going to fight. Yeah. I mean, well, just like the whole thing. She's like, okay, like you guys are going to go off into this weird planet. Like, I'm coming too. And Dude, I love the like, whole interplay between her and Qui-Gon, where she's like, the queen does not approve. And he's like, the queen doesn't need to know. And of course, you can tell, especially then, that Qui-Gon <laughs> knows that. the entire time that Padme is the queen, but he's just not taking her shit. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for me, like, she, like, yeah, she's, like, the only part of the movie that, I mean, also, but, I mean, I love Liam Neeson. Yeah. Like, as, like, a person I think that's a universal actor. in Star Wars yeah. is... He's great, and they sh- they did him, they, they could have, they could have done more. They could have been better, but I... Yeah, because the thing with Liam Neeson, and I think this is the same thing with like Alec Guinness and a lot of other Ian McDermott who does Palpatine. It when you might have you can talk all you want about how clunky the dialogue is, or like, but when you make that dialogue flow out of your mouth, that's that's a skill. Yeah, it's a skill. (laughs) You have these incredibly talented thespians who are basically just giving it their all, or being like, "Yes, this is cheesy, but I'm going to still do it justice." And I think that's one of the reasons why Star Wars for all of its clunkiness often works is because right. these people don't, they are just like, uh, no, I'm going to treat it. Seriously. I mean, and I think that might be partly why Phantom Menace, in my opinion, doesn't really work is because it centers so much around like this young boy and this inexperienced oh, we'll actor. <laughs> and it just sounds stupid. Is there anything else you liked or loved? I mean, or? the pod race is cool. But I think there's yes. better, there's better like action sequences. I think in even the other Star Wars movies, I, like so I'm not like Meh. watching it yesterday. I was kind of caught by how much it did capture my attention the entire time. Like I was not necessarily enthralled because I, I mean I've seen it before. Yeah, and this is in many ways like a recap of for me for Star Wars. But the fact that I was like attentive the entire time does speak to the craftsmanship that went into that sequence. Great editing. It's great, at, like especially the sound. At, like Sebulba's pod racer. Oh, the, oh, and then it like, and then it goes. Yeah, or yeah. like like just the noises of yeah. the pod race, and there's no music. Oh, really? For like up until the very end of that sequence, it is all done in sound design. Oh, that's cool. I see that, things I would have noticed had I watched it again. Yeah, and so it's it stands out a little bit, and then. I also was thinking about this yesterday while watching it. The first fight between Qui-Gon and Maul in the desert. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. When they're running to the ship. Yeah, when they're running to the ship. How quick and fast it is compared to the lightsaber duels of the original trilogy. That was like... (laughs) That is bizarrely fast. That's like peak lightsaber fighting technique. I mean, I think that is one thing that they really focus on in all of the newer movies is making the lightsaber fights like more fast-paced and not like old men and robots. I guess yeah. the lightsaber fight at the end is, Dual is fates. cool. Yeah. yeah. And that music is, is awesome. Yeah. The, well, the, the music. So good. Of all of John Williams' music for the prequels is amazing. All of John's, John Williams' music for everything is amazing. So I think amazing. that's something to just also give plaudits to is the music. Yeah. The music's great, but. I mean, I'll just listen to the soundtrack and not watch the movie. Actually, I probably won't even do that. But I mean, yeah. I'll listen to the soundtrack. Yeah, you will. Yeah, this movie. Ugh. 
All right, so let's let's before we go into our <laughs> negatives, what are what is your experience with the film? Like, what was your first impression of the film? Like, can you go back to I being a kid and watching that it? When I was a kid, I really liked it and I loved it. I even liked Jar Jar Binks. And then, like it, but it didn't it didn't age, it well, didn't with age you? well for me. I feel like you realize, yeah, oh, there's some weird racial undertones with this character yes. in this society, and it's not a thing that I picked up as a kid. And but I, but it's, but it's kind of like, ooh, because <laughs> I, I have a vague memory. Like I am fairly certain because I actually did do the research once to be like, do I have this memory or is it just me thinking I have this memory of? Apparently, ABC did a broadcast of the original trilogy in, like, 96, and I remember watching bits of it. Oh, really? But it was, like, it never kind of connected with me. So, for me, my first real Star Wars experience that wasn't just snippets on the television was uh, for... Because it was around my birthday. Right. And so, as part of my birthday present, one of my friend's parents brought me along when they went to go see Star Wars. because. I mean, we can briefly talk about how our parents aren't movie people. They're not movie people. There we go. We briefly talked about it. Um, so, like, that would have been my only way of going. Although, to side, mom, mom has seen the original Star Wars when it came out. She did go see that in theaters. So she that's saw an it ex- twice. That's which, an experience that none of us will ever get to have. So, I mean, kudos to mom for not being a movie person, but having uh, seen Star, Star Wars. Wars in theaters when it first came out. Twice. Twice. And I Why was, did she see it twice? Um, she went with a group of friends, and then she took um, our uncle. Oh, Wesley? Yeah. Oh, cute. So, yeah, no, it was... Brother-sister date. Yeah. Adorbs. Anyway. But I don't think she watched uh, Empire or Return of the Jedi. No, she's probably like, all right, this one's enough. This one's enough, and I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry, continue with Anyway, so that my first experience, real experience with Star Wars, was seeing episode one in theaters. I I cried when Qui Gon died. Aww, I totally legit cried uh, in the theater. How old were you? Like eleven? I think I turned Joe, eleven. Like came so, out I ninety nine, right? Came out ninety nine. So I think I was still ten, and like the, like four days later, I turned eleven. Oh, okay, yeah. And, but I was hooked, and like you, as I got older, just like the cracks in the film really became more apparent. Yeah, but at the same time, I have to acknowledge that this is what it's the reason you this is the reason are a star I wars fan in and well, well and it's probably the reason i'm a star wars fan because the reason i'm a star wars fan is I, because you were a star wars fan so yeah and i remember at one point mom yelling at not yelling berating me Sp- speaking sternly. speaking sternly uh to me about the fact that i was so hyped about that movie and i was talking to you about it and being like oh man i can't wait till you see it i can't wait to see it and you, even at that young age, could still do, like, really good accents. And so I was having you do uh, Amidala quotes in accents <laughs> I don't remember from that. the movie. And you were got upset once because you realized that you hadn't seen it yet and you really wanted to see it. And I was having you to qu- say quotes from the movie and you, it just was And mom's like, Logan, stop it. Yeah, like, leave me alone. <laughs> let let oh. her wait until she can see it and then you can do that. <laughs> That's so funny. I will say that, like, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, like, when they're in, like, the Senate and, and like, Amidala's there on that, like, floaty thing. And then she's like, oh, what does she say? Oh, I can't even remember the quote now. But it's like, she's, like, talking about, oh. Um, this uh, body No, 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 no. The, like, 
I move for a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum's leadership and her voice is all like low and stuff and I'm like who talks like that why does she change her voice why is she into this this doesn't make any sense like why she'll show show, like she campaigned and everything as like normal like Padme Amidala no makeup everybody knows what she looks like her real voice and then she puts on the makeup and the costumes and apparently her voice drops like two octaves to go into crazy Star Wars lore because I know the answer for this It's because there's an answer for what is it uh the idea of an elected monarch was apparently is not unique to the star wars universe in the star wars universe but they apparently the whole costume and makeup was like a sign of the office so kind of like how politicians always wear a lapel pin. Sure. The monarch well, I mean, of Naboo see, gets done up in next, makeup. Like the next, yeah. but like, but then her voice has to be lowered. Apparently, it just is like the regal tone that they adopt. Because you notice there's how there's a regal tone, and then there's like a regal new voice. Yeah, like, it's it's a but little. But you also notice uh, if in a New Hope, it's one of the re- people like. Carrie Fisher's accent is inconsistent. You realize Carrie Fisher, where she's like, I'm Senator Organa, does the regal voice. And then the moment they're like, we're going to blow up Alderaan, she's like, what? And it's just like the accent's gone. Yeah. So apparently that's a cultural thing in Star Wars is to play the accent. I think Here's that, your nerdy fact of the I day. I think that, that that explanation was come up with after the fact to explain. I don't think it was like, let's go in and like... You should have a. Do- I don't think there was a conscious thought oh, put into it. Ninety percent of Star Wars. I think is it was like post. let's explain why this is weird and let's come up with a reason why she has a new voice. Like I mean, and nobody knows what she looks like anymore. I mean, like okay, all right. Well, uh, but yeah, no, it's I. As much as I will probably spend the next bit joining you and knocking on the film, I can't deny the fact that. This is what got me into it. Yeah, I mean, and I I don't know if I ever saw this in theaters or not. I can't I don't think remember. you did, but you've... Um, but I've seen, like, like Attack of the Clones. And you, like, I've said this. Everything afterwards I for sure saw in theaters, but I don't yeah. think I did Phantom Menace. Uh, you didn't do Phantom Menace, because that would have required Mom and Dad to take us. <laughs> and yeah. that meant it was immediately dead. Um, but I, this is something I've talked... I've shared with a few people before when, because Star Wars community right now is has a troll problem, and that uh, dicks—they're uh, called dicks. Oh no, I uh, whatever. Um, I have my own internal monologue that I'm slowly putting down into written form, and I call them something else entirely. Oh, okay. um, wow. But dick is—we'll go with dick for now. It's appropriate. Yeah. Um, to where when people are like, oh, Star Wars is about is for young men. And I'm like, you know who has gone to me to see every Star Wars film in theaters since Attack of the Clones? Mm-hmm. It's been it's been you, A. And I think the only time reason you didn't go see Revenge of the Sith opening weekend with me is I think you had something to, going on with friends. And so you're like, oh, I didn't like Attack of the Clones. Like, no, I, at that no point, I, I liked Attack of the Clones. When it came out, When you it did. came out, I had a huge crush on Hayden Christensen, knowing he was a terrible actor. Oh, we'll have to bring you back now for Attack of the Clones Listen, if we ever do that. But, I will rewatch that one. Um, I, would. I would do that. Also, co- talk about costumes. Anyway. Um, anyway, the big thing for, um, for me is... I think on that case, it was like you had something going on with friends, so you weren't able to go, and then I saw it, and I was like, we have to go, and we saw it, like, the next day. Okay, see, I don't, there's so many, I don't remember this, but I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you have a memory for all of these wonderful childhood moments. Um, so, 
<laughs> They're all about Star Wars. Yeah. Just, all the other childhood moments about, are gone. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff you remember that I don't remember at all. Well, this has a place in nostalgia. Let's let's start diving into like things we don't like. And oh, why don't you start? start? I yeah. mean I feel like I've been I I I feel like it's just it's I feel like a lot of it is boring. Yeah. It's a it's a, it's a lot of it's boring. Um and it's like also now Jar Jar Binks is annoying and like uncomfortable <laughs> to yeah. watch as an adult. Um as with the rest of like the the whole Gungan storyline. And it's just kind of like weird that it's like they put it, you, it's they it, put a, it doesn't fit in with every anything else. They put it's, a cartoon character in the middle of the film. Yeah. It, it's like if Roger Rabbit appeared. It's weird. I mean, and like, like you know, cool for like the technology that could do it, and blah 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 blah. But like, uh, ugh. it's and then and I feel so bad. But like, poor Jake Lloyd, he's so hard to watch. He is. He's so hard to watch. Like a part of like while watching this, I was thinking, you know, I bet a lot of my complaints would be resolved if two things had changed. If they had toned down Jar Jar Binks from being a cartoon character, or just like just got or just got rid of him. And if they aged up Anakin to be about the same age as Padme, so about 14. Yeah, so it wasn't so weird. Right, because it's really weird. (laughs) Hey, I've had a crush on you since I was nine. Um, It's like, oh, now you're tall. Sure, let's go for it. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, have them be kind of the same age. And then a lot of the stuff from the pod racing to the Starfighter would have been easier to swallow. Maybe. But one thing I did notice... and. Because, yeah, I think Jar Jar and Anakin are the biggest weak points in this film. Yeah. I I was also paying attention to the script this time. Now, George Lucas, as a scriptwriter, leaves a lot to be desired. But I also notice, because a lot of what he has said is how he aims this, has always thought about kids when making Star Wars. Right, right. And I was paying attention to how some of the dialogue works, and I was just like... Oh, maybe this is this broken is, down for kids to understand. I don't think it's not it? just broken down for kids to understand. I realize I'm like, if I was watching, say, Avatar The Last Airbender or something like that, where it is has adult themes, but is obviously made for children to watch and enjoy, Star Wars does a lot of the same things in episode one in the script to where someone will state the obvious thing that's going on around and you're like, come on, where's my subtlety? And then you realize... In a kids in kids programming, that subtlety doesn't always exist. Sure, but counter to that, look at how many great, well written kids movies there are out there. You can't just say, "Oh, it's." Oh, it's I'm not. not I'm not good. saying it's not as good because it's written for kids. There's some really great kids movies that aren't so painful. I'm not saying that I like the approach, but all of a sudden it was like it you was like this was the first where time where it, yeah, it was the first time it clicked with me where I'm like, oh, this actually from that writing perspective, if this had been a cartoon like kids TV series. It would have done all of the exact same things. And I don't know if that was intentional from by Lucas or if it's because Lucas is a clunky screenwriter. It, it's one of those things where I, I don't know the answer to that. But I was like, oh, okay, I I get why they're stating the obvious right now because a six-year-old wouldn't understand it. Yeah. And as much as adult me, adult Star Wars fan Logan, wants subtlety, apparently kid Star Wars fan Logan was okay with it. Yeah. But I think that there is something to be said that, like, you know, the A New Hope 
written by George Lucas and everything has aged still so much better than this this particular than the Phantom Menace. Yeah, like so much. I know and my that, that can be contributed to you know acting and everything else too. I don't know, but it's this this particular one is just real bad. It's just real bad. Yeah, it's it's bad. But the thing I've also I think there's a couple things. Let's let's go into the reputation first off. The reputation is it's bad. There we go. We've been basically talking about that. But one of the things. I've been finding myself thinking about when thinking back on this film is the fact that George kind of, when he made this film, not George, poor George, he, this one is works as a standalone in some ways, the same way a new hope does. Sure. Which is kind of like interesting to think about that. It doesn't necessarily, yes, it's held up by the, and still understand everything that's going on and all the rest of the Star Wars. Not necessarily, but I mean, I think that doesn't midichlorians. I got to explain that. I mean, it doesn't help, like, because have we ever, have I ever talked to you about the machete edit? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, the machete cut or edit or however you call it is back after the prequels had come out and before anyone had ever thought there would be a sequel trilogy, there was arguments over what's the proper viewing order for Star Wars. Do you go prequel trilogy, uh, original trilogy or original trilogy, prequel trilogy? And a lot of the debate came around the fact that if no one had seen Star Wars before and somehow had avoided American pop culture, you have a big reveal in episode four of I Am Your Father from Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, the prequels would ruin that if someone starts from the beginning. And so the machete edit was uh, argued that, well, the viewing order should then be A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. So you get that big reveal and you were sitting there like Luke going, no, no, that's not true. That's impossible. And then you go back to episode two and episode three, cut out episode one entirely, Mm -hmm. get the backstory of the Clone Wars and Anakin, and then you finish it off with Return of the Jedi. And I think that idea helped cement the idea idea that you don't need this movie that you don't need this movie mm-hmm. but i've been thinking about like because i've had people ma- make the argument to me that this is actually the best of the prequels interesting and one of the reasons why people argue this and i think it's an interesting argument is the fact that this structurally has a solid beginning middle and end in terms of just not necessarily its execution or the writing of it but it isn't where fan where attack of the clones is kind of stuck in this weird thing where oh crap we need to set up everything for this clone wars and then return of the or revenge of the sith is oh crap we have to do all this stuff with the lead of darth vader well clone wars is kind of forgotten so like attack of the clones builds up something that doesn't get delivered in revenge of the sith there's all sorts of just structural problems between the two films like revenge of the sith the time frame that movie takes around is it a period of weeks is it a period of months no one really knows it's not really clear. Whereas Phantom Menace is pretty damn solid in terms mm-hmm. of the time that's amount of time that's passing and hitting all of its needed beats and having decent action sequences. And as much as we can sit there and be like, this one would be better if we aged up Anakin and this film would be better if we got rid of Jar Jar or toned him down. This film still had, if you took it apart from all the other Star Wars films and just was like, here's this thing it still has a structure on its own that is lacking and arguably lacking in the other prequels. Sure. Films. It's like, and it's, which is something I think maybe it deserves a bit of recognition for the fact meh. that it was doing that stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, it's like, Oh, it's like, Oh, you tried. It's like giving it a trophy for participation. It's yeah. Meh. 
I mean, it doesn't mean I still don't think it ups it to the level of being good, but I do think it is an argument that maybe as much as we can talk about how the prequels are bad, I think there is an overwhelming urge to be overly harsh towards them because we just don't like aspects of it and it doesn't live up to our ideal standard of what star wars should be right i think yeah probably true i think like going back i probably if i'm ever gonna go rewatch any star wars i probably would never pick up any of the prequel movies they're I, i remember i did love i did love attack of the clones specifically so I might rewatch that for, you know, nostalgia's sake. But I really, I like, I, I mean, I am the well, I think, OG trilogy. I think part of the other reason why a lot of people are kind of trying to rethink their stance on um, the prequels has been, I know you haven't watched it yet, if you ever will. Oh, I'm trying, is basically oh, my argument. Is the Clone Wars TV series, mm-hmm. for being set in the prequel era, and you think, uh, there's... And you're just like, okay, I'm over it. It's actually has, I'd say, some of the best Star Wars moments in Star Wars. Well, but then th- that's great. Still doesn't make the prequel movies that, like, yeah. you know. But I think that's one of the reasons. Also, the prequels, like, totally, 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 like, ruined Boba Fett. Just- I don't agree. Well, I hate I hate when you then go and watch the new, like, re-released original, and now it's his voice. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that they've now put this guy's voice into the original trilogy. Like, take it. That's the part that well, that's and, what I'm talking about. And they then, ruined it. Then Vader screaming no in Return of the Jedi. Now you haven't probably uh, watched it yeah, um, since you got it on Blu-ray, have you? On the I Blu-ray have. release of Return of the Jedi, Vader screams no when he throws Palpatine over the edge. For the that's for weird. our listeners, Caitlin just made a face. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I think, like, I, that's the thing that's another issue I have with George Lucas is, like, he just can't leave well enough alone. <laughs> it just, like, it's like he's, he's a painter that's never done, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that, like, sometimes, you know what, go make those edits and then watch it for yourself, George. Don't re-release it and make me not able to find the original version. <laughs> well, I mean, this is, again, a side note from episode one, but I think where the, where the special edition succeeds, no one complains. It's the fact that there's a lot of moments in the special edition where it fails, and that's why everyone complains. Yeah. Because screaming no in, Reven- in Return of the Jedi, uh, no. Also, why is he screaming no as he's throwing somebody over? Is he like, They literally just took the no from Revenge of the Sith, where he yeah. screams no, and they well, th- After Padme's, it. like, yeah. dead? Yeah. Or, like, the most Eisley scene, where there's just, like, a bunch of noise... Or inserting Jabba, and it's not great CGI. It's like, these; those are the moments that should have done yeah. it. But I've actually started to call... There's people online who have done remasters, where they've gone through and they've found original prints of on film of... Where the, Han shot. Well, no, no, no. Like, not just where Han shot first. Like, we're talking original theatrical release. Mm-hmm. So, like, A New Hope and Episode Four aren't even on the title crawl. Mm-hmm. And there are some moments in there where I'm like, you know what? I think the special edition does it better and i think those are moments where if they hadn't gone back and did it they basically revitalized star wars for the 90s because okay. otherwise those effects did not age well and so where they went through and took effects that didn't age well and they just updated them is where they succeeded where they went and, and like let the story <laughs> where they went and redid the story or they went and added a bunch of stuff is not necessarily the case yeah but yeah he's he's definitely the kind of person who's never done tinkering well, I mean, he sold it now, so. <laughs> I think it's in good hands, so. Yeah. 
but to bring it again back to specifically specifically phantom menace it's i'm still basically after watching it i'm still like yeah this isn't great but i also wonder how much of my hatred for it has been burned in and it's not necessarily fair like objectively i still think the film isn't good right but I also am starting to wonder if my objectivity in terms of talking about how it's a god-awful piece right, of filmmaking like, has been tarnished by the fact that... Ever that's... You can't, can't say... You couldn't good. escape it. I will say, though, The Phantom Menace is a great title. <laughs> like, when you, when you actually think about The Phantom Menace, like, ooh, what is that? Like, it's kinda- I know, it's a really good title. I mean, yeah. And then you have Attack of the Clones, which Meh. is probably the clunkiest of all the titles. Yeah. No, it's a great title. And then, I can't believe we haven't talked about this. What? Ray Park as Maul. Oh, Darth Maul is a pretty great villain. It's... it's he's pretty great. Like, and he, and he doesn't speak, so he's, like, real scary. Just intimidating. Mm-hmm. Very intimidating presence. And, man... <laughs> it's like every time Maul is on screen... You immediately are just like, okay, yeah. like... he's the Phantom Menace. Yeah. If you didn't catch that. Actually, it's is Palpatine. He? Well, no. Oh, yeah. Because he's more Phantomy. Because he's more I like Phantom-y. to think of it as Darth Maul. Because well, the he's Sith. The you could argue that the Sith are the Phantom Because Menace. he's like... Because he's the one that's like stalking them throughout their... Like, I like I like to think that the Phantom Menace is Darth Maul. And that's my final opinion on that. Because like Palpatine... Ugh, I'm kind of over. <laughs> 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 yeah, Machiavellian power plays and politics aren't necessarily going to be the easiest thing to portray in an action movie. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's got to give props to Ray Park. Yeah, very, yeah. And that goes back to my whole thing of I will eventually try to get you to watch parts of Clone Wars. Sure. Because he's seven. back. He's back. Yeah. So I guess anyway. any final thoughts on Phantom Menace? I don't know if I will ever watch it again. I think I fell asleep trying to rewatch it once within the last like three years or something. And yeah, I, I'm, I, I may not ever attempt to watch it again. We'll see. I might. Because I know whenever I watch Star Wars, I always try to actually sit down and watch Star Wars. No, see, I'll just pop in Empire Strikes Back at will. Like I, well, what I mean is, is like I'm gonna sit down and watch oh, it, not just like throw it in the background. I think like if I'm gonna watch Star Wars, I'm gonna watch all of them at like no. all of them in order. I will it. sit down and I will watch it. Like I'm gonna be like, nope, for these two yeah. and a half hours, I'm just watching this movie and try to stay off my phone and all that. Yeah. And the prequels are the only Star Wars films that I will throw on in the background, not because of necessarily love but because i you don't, don't have to feel that to de- level of dedication to them yeah i feel like because i struggle with staying awake during movies in general i feel like i don't know that i will ever <laughs> in my life be able to stay awake for the entirety of the phantom menace ever again by the way for those of you listening today Caitlin and i are about to go see avengers endgame i'm drinking a lot of coffee i am honestly I'm not sure what the over-under is on Caitlin sleeping, but let's no. just say the chances of you sleeping are not zero. They're, they're not, but but I will say we decided to go see it at noon, so there's a good, it's like the middle of the day. We're at peak Caitlin not falling asleep. Yeah, we're at peak, like, if we had decided to go, like, any later than, like, five, I feel like it, there would be, oof. Right. Oof. It's like, it doesn't matter how good the movie is, how, how, how loud it is, I can fall asleep. I can fall. I've fallen asleep in the theater many times. Many times. 
Yeah, so I guess let's just kind of sum it up. In terms of its reputation, would you say that... It is deserved, I would say. <laughs> it, like, would you, I, here's my caveat. Oh, okay. I would say it deserves a bad reputation, but would you say that it deserves the harshness it's received? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. I mean, because really, when I'm like, the best things about this movie are the costumes and John Williams, like, I mean, which John Williams is one of the greatest parts of almost any movie he composes, in my humble opinion. But I think like that, that those are the th- those are the good things I have to say about it. Then like, yeah, it's eh. it's like, I, I, yeah, I, I'm also, not going to droids s- are stupid. Like, <laughs> we didn't even talk about those droids. I mean, they're just like <laughs> the, 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 the Roger, Roger. Yeah. Yeah, they're annoying. Coruscant, that uh, doesn't compute. Wait, uh, you're under arrest. Yeah, and like they just look dumb. They just, yeah. Anyway, sorry, side tangent doesn't need to talk about. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, think, I think it, it deserves. It deserves. It deserves I, it. I think it deserves a bad reputation. It's just again, it's the harshness that gets thrown at it in the prequels in general is yeah. over the top. I mean, we have to touch on the fact that Ahmed Bess, who played Jar Jar Binks... Oh, uh, yeah, I do feel... Like, uh, the abuse that was directed at him shitty. drove him to, like, suicidal thoughts. That's shitty. Uh, the gen- like the general theory, like, no one's ever confirmed it, but the general theory is that the reason why Jake Lloyd has had issues as an adult comes from the fact he was bullied um, yeah, that, by adults uh, for playing so Anakin that, Skywalker. That's where I'm saying, yes, can we sit okay. here and say that objectively it's a bad film? Yes. Without, but does like, it deserve the this, actors? That's stupid. Yeah, does yeah. this deserve the horrible, horrible... Do the people who made it deserve the horrible treatment they've got? Are the people who, like, bash on this and treat it like... At, like, just... Yeah. Like, no, I think there's definitely a toxic element. And this is just kind of Universal Star Wars. We yeah. saw it with Kelly McGree Tran after Last that, Jedi, yeah. is that there is definitely a toxic element in the Star Wars community that just needs to shut the fuck up and go yeah, away. Yeah, because, I mean, I think, like, you know, it's there's a lot of, you know, what we've seen, like, some racist and sexist, like, elements in the Star Wars, like, fandom, especially yeah. with these newer ones that have come out. And I don't and I don't think that you should, like, look, like, people should, first of all, I think anybody that, like, goes on Twitter or the internet or anything that and, like, takes their time to, like, call out like an actor for whatever they're just like go get a life like that's stupid like i I mean i don't think we should be bullying oh god there were people for you know getting work yeah Um, it's but so that that element is shitty and i don't think it and that that i don't think has to do with its reputation that's just like people who are dumb but i think it impacted its reputation perhaps yeah like it, it definitely meant that calling it a piece of heart gar- hot garbage and like a lot of negativity was encouraged and enhanced yeah. by that lens and as much as i will say i don't still don't think this is a good movie i am finding that just kind of trying to watch it with a fresh eyes like i yesterday i kind of tried to watch it and be like just watch it like you're a film student and you've never seen this movie before oh, okay there you go and I would sit there and be like, yeah, it's not a great movie, but I wouldn't have sat there and called it the worst film of all time or a train wreck. There are good moments in the film, but but for overall, it's yeah. And I, I wonder honestly if it literally is the two things I that I thought of of just like either toning down Jar Jar or, like you said, getting rid of him and aging up Anakin, I think that would have actually solved a lot of the problems. Right, I feel bad because I do think that, like, you know, as much as I I don't think that, like, you know, Jake Lloyd, who was, like, 10 when he made this, should have been, like, bullied, I feel like Lucas did him a disservice 
because he didn't know how to direct him into a good performance, I think. Yeah, I don't think... So, I... He doesn't I, like doing he, with He that. doesn't it's, like directing, which... The, he doesn't well, like directing actors. Again, which, yeah, he doesn't like directing actors. It's, it's, again, one of the reasons why I think Clone Wars, as much as I keep bringing it up, one of the reasons why I think it has worked really well is George Lucas was involved in the creative direction of the series. Yeah. But he wasn't the director. That was Dave Filoni. Yeah. I think that, like, when he's not the director and screenwriter, it flourishes. We get Empire. And we get Return of the Jedi. But but as, like, a a visionary, world-building, creative mind, he's a genius. It just, like, translating all of that energy onto paper and onto screen... Um, I, I saw someone make when this... Only in his hands, I feel like, doesn't always work. Yeah, in his hands, it doesn't work. I, I remember one person made an argument that a lot of the problems with the prequel scripts, I think they were actually... Because I saw... There's a thread on Reddit about Phantom Menace today, of all days. Um, and someone made the comment that the problem with the prequels is if there's a bunch of lines where if you spent 5% more time working on them, they would have ended up better. I have argued in the past with... Revenge of the Sith, that it was one or two script doctors away from being really, really good. And watching this again, I'm like, I think this was one script doctor away from being really, really good. But it was also some casting choices being different away from being good. Mm -hmm. And I think if another writer had gone in, I think Jar Jar would have been toned down and I think Anakin would have been aged up. But again, going back to being the 10 year old in the theater there was there's something about yeah, seeing someone your something own about age it. and i think that's what i think that's why he did it yeah and as much as i think narratively it would have worked better if he was older and yeah i still would have been able to relate to that 14 year old as much as i would have to a nine-year-old yeah 10 year old me totally like you you just happen to be 10 year old 10 at the yeah. time there were other people at the same time that were older younger and they still went inside you know so for you specifically you were the same age but not everybody yeah watching it was i don't know it's just, I can't, it's like, it's not a thing that I want to spend two hours of my life rewatching. <laughs> yeah. Well, you will in a few months. I don't know. I'd rather just rewatch Friends. Oh, no, because we got, <laughs> like, honestly, it's like revenge. Like, this year, like, side tangent, I mean, we might as well, because this is, again, May the 4th. Uh, Star Wars Day, yay. Yes, oh, this, this, this is May the 4th. May the 4th. Uh, this year is a crazy year to be a Star Wars fan. Oh, well, yeah. Mandalorian is coming out in November. Oh. Yeah. And then you have, there's some games, which I know you will never play. No. Clone Wars is rumored to be coming back maybe this year, but it probably won't be until next year. But then you also have Rise of Skywalker. I think the reason why I'm saying I think you'll watch it again in a few months is I know I am probably going to, as part of the, oh my God, the saga's ending, marathon all nine in some way. Maybe not all in one sitting, because that would be overkill. But I can see myself doing like two of the movies a weekend, and then the next. I did that with Harry more. Potter once. It was a long day. Yeah, I don't think you could do Star Wars in a day anymore. I think that would be overkill. No, but I, I think I that's... would fall asleep. <laughs> I would... <laughs> that's what happened. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't do it. I'd fall. Yeah, asleep. but no, I'll yeah. probably skip the the prequel. I'm just gonna straight into the. Yeah, definitely. Well, I won't because well, I'm me. Yeah, you're you. Anyway, but yeah, I. Unless you have any other thoughts, I will not condone a course of action that leads us to war. That one wasn't very good. I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it. Thank you for joining me, Caitlin. You're welcome. Oh, we didn't talk about the Viceroy. I did kind of like the Viceroy. They were stupid. Just now. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. No, they were just. They're just. 
They're just real goofy. Well, they're real goofy, but there's also the whole... There's a racism problem in the prequels, especially. Yes! Like, the Gungans, kind of racist. The Nemoidians, kind of racist. It's... I've heard... I th- I've heard some people try to argue. It's like, well, no, it's trying to create like a unified culture so they're going to like type and it's like yeah but unified when, culture yeah well when the for like that culture of that they were depicting like in the case oh. the nemoidians culture so they would try to like lift from other cultures but it's like when you have done two underrepresented groups mm-hmm. in the case of and then cast all white yeah it, there's definitely this is one of the things i think the sequel trilogy has definitely done better um is the recognition that hey <laughs> It's a galaxy far, far away. There's going to be people of color. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that's I think our even stormtroopers of color. Oh God! <laughs> like I said, there is a rant Dicks. coming, a very long rant coming about that stuff. Anyway, and I guess now is the time for some housekeeping. Lights, camera, reaction will return. It's a matter of when, not if, and just needing to take the time to sit down and hammer all that out. But if that's not enough for you, and for some godforsaken reason you still want my thoughts on film, you can always find my film reviews at 50words.reviews. Yes, that is an actual domain name. Or if you are social media inclined, you can always find them at 50wordsreviews on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You should also make sure to follow Quality3 on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, so you can always stay up to date on all of the new content coming out of the new home of Lights, Camera, Reaction. That's Quality3 or W www.quality3.net. And until next time, enjoy the movies.